Hello and welcome to the What Type Ones Eat podcast. I should say welcome back and it's the second series that we are starting today. I am not by myself today. I have a new host with me. Hi Andrew. Hello Daria, how are you? I am wonderful, thank you. I am super excited that we are starting this series together. Um, I wanted to do this episode because I thought that we need a little bit of a reintroduction to you. Yes, you've been on the podcast in episode two, back in episode two. Um, but I thought we just reintroduce, reintroduce you and myself a little bit as well. Um, and I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions about you. Um, do you just want to start by telling who you are and what you do and why you're here? Sure. Well, look, firstly, thank you very much. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this series and, uh, and the people that we're interviewing. I think we're going to do some, we're going to get some amazing, valuable stuff for, uh, for people that are diabetic and listening in to, to your podcast. Um, and it's a pleasure being here, obviously, and spending time with you. Um, a bit of background about me. So I've been type one for 36 years now. So I was diagnosed at the age of eight. And for many years, I just dealt with diabetes in the way that a, a young lad and a, and, and a young lady probably does as well, which is you just put up with it and you manage it the best way you can. And when you're very young, you have something that I like to call bounce back ability, which is kind of like a football analogy. Um, which, which is when you're high or when, you, when you're low, you bounce back pretty damn quickly and you just consider it part and parcel of being diabetic. And yes, you do have some bad ones at times, but overall you seem to get through and your family struggle a bit with it because they, they're obviously older and more aware of exactly what's going on. But I did that for quite a while. And then I went to university at the age of 18 and I had to look after myself. So I was pretty responsible anyway, because I do believe that diabetes makes you, especially if you have it quite young in life, you become quite responsible quite early anyway. You're, you're certainly aware of, your, of what you need to do to look after yourself, or at least manage to get up every morning at the very least. And I so, definitely agree because I feel like anyone that I know with type one has definitely grown up a lot faster than anyone else. Um, and especially if their parents weren't like very supportive to not supportive is not the right word, but like didn't take care of their diabetes for them, but actually let them manage themselves. Um, and I think that's like a benefit of diabetes that we actually do grow up and mature a lot faster than everyone else does. I, I would agree with you. And what, certainly when you're young, it's a diabetes, as you know, is a very lonely place to be. But when you're young and you've got your family around you, it feels like a bit of a team to a certain extent, as much as it can do. When you leave home, you're all alone. And you've got to deal with that and you've got it you've got to take it seriously so that's what i did went to university i met my wife a week before i joined uni which was um, interesting and um and actually moved closer to where she was living so i i did have the benefit of of my wife my now wife she wasn't my wife then um being around and helping in in certain ways and her family as well so i did have a bit of a family unit but for then what happens is you have kids, you have a job, and you start to take your diabetes a lot more seriously because the responsibilities start start weighing on you, quite honestly. And you and you 
begin to understand that that everything is about time and and everything is about you've got to value the time that you've got and you've got to make sure that you look after yourself because you want to be having a, a successful fulfilled inspired life and not be sat there at home um, with your life dictated to you by diabetes and that's something that I've always held in very high you know it's very high on my um, priority list especially when you run businesses and I'm a I'm a chartered accountant by trade so numbers which can be a blessing and a and a uh, a bind with diabetes because sometimes they make sense and sometimes they just don't and um but about seven years ago just to to fast forward a bit seven years ago I was in a very bad way I was very depressed. Um, I was clinically depressed, to be brutally honest, um, because I just couldn't control my blood sugars. And I'm quite an upbeat person. I'm quite a happy guy, generally. Um, I exercise and I try and look after myself, as do you, Daria, which we'll talk about a bit later when I interview you. And um, and I, I just couldn't control my blood sugars. Horrendous. Um, and I was so desperate and it went on for so long. I managed to get an insulin pump. I did some research. I saw some help and I came across Dr. Bernstein and I said, okay, well, as a diabetic and as an accountant, it makes sense. If you reduce the carbs, less variability, less highs, less lows, I'll get off of that roller coaster and that will actually suit me. And I was bloody good at it. I did it for five years between 30 to 50 grams of carbs a day. And I quite enjoyed it at the start um, in so much. When I say enjoyed it, it gave me control. Yeah, that makes I, sense. You enjoyed it in terms of a life perspective rather than, well, the diet perspective, obviously it's a little bit uh, questionable. It's questionable. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say, um, it's quite interesting. Like when you say you had, you just couldn't get your blood sugars under control. Looking back now, do you see what you did wrong? Yes, I see. I see elements of it. Um, eating very late at night, eating later in the evening and late at night. What I was eating as well um, as a, um, a 30 mid 30s year old man, um, you found you find comfort in cheese and crackers and things like that. And that's not a good snack for it's a high fat snack relatively late at night. Struggling with that, I would struggle with the dawn phenomenon. And then, as most of us know, when your bloods are, are struggling in the morning or are bad in the morning, it can ruin the rest of your day. And I had weeks and months of this. And what happens is it starts to not only affect you physically, but it affects you mentally more than anything. And, and it's the mental side that we, that you and I are going to talk about a bit more on this podcast as well, because it's really important. You've got to have a, a, a positive mental attitude. And when everything isn't working, that's that's a struggle and yeah, that's what and I was. I think we've spoken about this with you before um that I like well I personally see diabetes as this triangle so we have um the blood sugar management or medication um nutrition and exercise at the corners um and then mindset is in the very center of it because obviously you can have good a good diet but your insulin dosage can be all over the place and that's no good. Um, and you can exercise, but then your diet and your insulin dosing can be all over the place and that's not going to work out. But without the mindset, you will not be able to do any 
of those things or those things together. So I do put mindset quite as an important part, if not the most important aspect of, of diabetes. I agree. I always like to explain it. And I think I did on the last podcast I was on with you, um, explain it as, as kind of spinning plates and those plates are falling and all of a sudden they, they fall quite quickly. But if you can just get one of those going again, then all of, then what you find is you can get a second and you can get a third. And then you can start to feel quite positive about what's going on. So so just to revisit where I was, I, I, I was in dire straits and I found the ketogenic diet. And it worked for me and I was happy and it, it stopped the variability in my blood sugars. But over time, the problems that I was seeing and I was starting to struggle with before, so the neuropathy, the, um, the, um, the vision, I was, I was struggling with my, my vision as well, um, that, that returned. And what returned more than anything else was the information I had, I had with the amount of food I was eating, which was high in fat, low in carb. I had inflammation and I was having constant sinus infections. Every month I would have a week, even two weeks a month of sinus infections, loads of prednisolone, which causes havoc with blood sugars and, um, and four, four operations in five years, all, all cauterizing my sinus, which is, sorry, all cauterizing my sinus, which was to, um, which was to burn your sinus and all the way up to my brain. So, I knew that I couldn't continue doing this. And the reason I knew this as well was because I was, I was struggling breathing at times. And the reason for that was because people that are diabetic are already two and a half times more likely to have heart problems and cardiovascular problems. Even it doesn't take a doctor to know that you eat, if you're eating high fat foods, that's only going to make it worse. So I sourced another solution. And I was in a bad way again. I'd, everything had returned. The neuropathy had, had returned. Um, the vision you issues. You had neuropathy. I didn't yes. know that. Yeah, yeah. Two years ago, I did. I had oh, neuropathy. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And and th and that for me was a quite a big change as well because for me it was the first signs. Again, it's the first signs of look. If if I'm if I'm in my my thirties and uh, late thirties, where am I going to be in ten years? if I'm getting this now. So I wanted to try and prevent that. So, and I came across Robbie and Cyrus, the mastering diabetes team in the US, which was the direct opposite of low, of, of low carb, high fat. It's low fat, high carb. And I tracked my entire tra transition to eating this way. I didn't believe it. I didn't believe what was going to happen, but um, the changes were incredibly fast incredibly quick and i now eat four to five hundred grams of carbs a day my insulin sensitivity has gone through the roof and i can prove that um, in so much as um, my carb to insulin ratio was one to 12 i'm now one to 45 in the morning and one to 50 in the afternoons my background insulin which is a very clear indication of your insulin sensitivity or the movement is i went from 24 units a day to eight so 66% reduction in background insulin, that is insulin sensitivity for you. And for me, no more inflammation, no sinus infections, no, no operations. And it's been coming up for, for a year and a half now. And I feel no neuropathy, no vision issues. And I, I feel much better about life because of the way I eat. 
You know, I was going to say as well that um, I switched to a plant-based diet um, a couple months ago fully, but um, kind of started the transition, I would say, in about January maybe. And I used to get these horrendous sinus infections, as a matter of fact. Every single year I had the, like, it wasn't the flu because I actually got the flu jab, but I still like got really, really ill for a couple of weeks every single year. And this actually has been the first year where I have barely had a cold, I would say. Um, And I do seriously believe in the power of plants and I still eat a bit of dairy here and there because cheese is life. Sorry, I'm not quitting that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) you know, the cheese and crackers story, but for me, it's just the cheese. Um, And yeah, I just really believe that, again, it's also about balance, that you need to be able to achieve things um, rather than going to one direction and then realizing in a couple months or a couple years, however long it may take, that this is not sustainable for me. And you might do that, and that's good, but as long as you can get yourself back to something that is working for you at any given time that's the important aspect i think i agree and and in many ways the the word we're, to, we're looking for is is sustainability and to actually be able to continue i don't look at what i do as a diet turn to your mic <laughs> sorry i don't look at what i do as a diet what i look at it as is is a lifestyle and the reason i i look at it in this way is because I don't feel like I'm restricting myself in any way now. And I did when I was eating low carb, I did feel restricted, although there were lots of options to eat, obviously. Now, with low fat plant based whole foods, the the options just on its own, even to be told you cannot eat fruit. That for me was a real big problem that I had to I had to get over that and understand, right, I can't eat fruit. And every time I did try and eat fruit, my bloods would skyrocket. I have I have 150 to 200 grams of carbs for breakfast most days and my bloods don't skyrocket. And the vast majority of it is fruit. So it just shows you that you can change what you do. And I don't believe it's restriction. What I actually believe is it's it's empowerment. And it's active professional choices. I absolutely agree with you because I think it depends on how you view it. Like it depends on the person and their mental attitude towards whatever. Because I know that I would feel restricted on a diet like you're doing. I would. And that's not a problem. I know that this wouldn't work for me. So I don't do it. And it's some people might need to try it to find out. But um it's just kind of about learning what works for you in a way. Yeah. So yeah, it's all about mindset. And and one of the major reasons, again, we go back to mindset, but one of the major reasons for, for me, for, and I'm so happy that you've asked me to be a co-host on this podcast is to understand more about insulin sensitivity and because it's not spoken about enough in my view. And I actually think that we talk about, as type ones, especially, we talk about the day to day. We talk about the now because the now is bloody important. But what we don't talk about is the long term. We don't talk about the causes of diabetes. And we don't talk about the fact that more type ones are becoming type twos. And, and all of that information that many of us are just weren't aware of and aren't aware of. So that's hopefully the information that we'll be bringing to people's ears. Yeah. So I think we 
started this podcast with you because we wanted to hear from a lot of different people and we wanted to hear a lot of different voices about insulin sensitivity, whether that's working with clients who and helping them develop insulin, more insulin sensitivity, whether that's research, whether that's um, like literally practice dietitians, medical professionals. Um, we just want to hear a lot of different voices and a lot of different opinions on what insulin sensitivity is and what are the ways that we can work with it. And we don't necessarily want to proclaim or promote any t- any ways to um, improve insulin sensitivity, but we want to show what's out there to give people the options to make their own choices and decide what works best for them. Yep. And what works best, best for, for lots of people is lots of different ways of eating. So that's the point. We're all on this journey, aren't we? I've, I've tried to explain to you my journey of of not caring, not being worried about it, eating standard foods, not even understanding what insulin sensitivity was, moving on to a ketogenic diet, because at that time, that served its purpose. Again, so insulin resistant, it's beyond beyond comparison, because every time I ate carbs, my bloods would go through the roof, whereas now I'm very insulin sensitive. So I, I know which one I advocate, and I know which one I, I prefer to be on, but I completely appreciate that everyone is on that journey and you have to find out for yourself. I would not, I would not say to someone, you have to do this. What I would say to someone is these are the benefits from doing this. Why don't you try it and see? Yeah, that's very fair enough. And if it doesn't work for them, it doesn't work for them. They go and find something else that does. Um, So Daria, let's, let's, let's find out a bit more about you. It's that time. Oh, that time of of the day. Um, (laughs) um, I, well, obviously I'm Daria. Everybody knows that by now. Um, I am a, what do I even classify myself as? I am at the moment a nutrition student, but I am working to become a dietitian um, in the next couple of years. Uh, You might know me as at T1Level underscore Daria on Instagram. Um, I've been a type one diabetic for, I think it's coming on to 17 years now. So I've been diagnosed when I was diagnosed when I was five years old. Um, I don't really know a life without diabetes, which is a bit sad in a way, but then I guess maybe for the better. Um, I, I had a really great childhood. Honestly, I really did. My parents really took good care of me. And if anyone wants to listen a bit more on that, you can go and listen to episode 22 five or 26 the last episode in in the last series where I speak to my mom um, and she describes it in a very um, clear and good way Uh, but I moved to the UK when I was 13 so my care was actually transferred almost like absolutely completely onto me when I was 12 because I decided that's it I don't want any help I want to do this on my own and it was completely my decision and I asked my parents to do that So, um, yeah, I didn't do so great in boarding school in the UK, uh, partially because of the isolation that it gave me. And I developed an eating disorder, which comes with a whole host of other problems. Um, But I was still doing insulin the entire time through. And it wasn't anything close to diabulimia. I was more of an anorexic person. So I just kind of 
ate and then binged for a while. And then I just pretty much stopped eating enough um, altogether. So um, it was a really difficult time. And I was around like eight and a half in my HbA1c, but I was kind of fluctuating up and down all the time. So I did a ton of exercise, which obviously brought me low. But then when I wasn't exercising, I was high quite a lot of the time. Um, and then I started uni um, and a couple, two years in, um, I was suffering absolutely insane anxiety. And I don't know, I may have had depression, God knows. Um, but I just, I cried myself into bed and I just like, I couldn't get up some days because I was so mentally down. Um, of course, that really played a big toll on my life in general. Um, but I, at one point, I realized it might be because of my blood sugars, because they were in the 20s half of the day, and then low again, and then they just went up and down all the time. And um, I actually first started taking care of my diabetes after I did the Daphne course, I'm sure you're familiar with that, Andrew. Um, that was a big kick for me. And it was the first time I met other diabetics, which um, as it comes, it changes a lot and it changes your perspective on diabetes because we've spoken about this with you before that you do feel very lonely and um, seeing others is a thing that kind of makes you want to take care of yourself because you don't think anymore that, you are the only one struggling with this and this is how it's supposed to be like you are not supposed to be in roller coaster blood sugars 24 7 you can have good control and that's what I started learning I did a lot of research on my own and um, I slowly learned to pre-bolus slowly learned to manage my basal and those were the kind of key two things that that made me who I am today and then I kind of COVID hit um, at one point, well, at one point, a couple of years later. Um, and I thought this is a great chance for me to go and study. And I decided to go and do nutrition, which I'm doing at the moment. Um, and I do want to become a dietitian in the future. Well, look, thanks for disclosing all of that, because that's, that is a journey. And that that's a hell of a journey that you've been on. And and I obviously you and I know each other and I see the fact that you're at the gym and I see the fact you're posting about the foods that you eat and the foods that you eat look amazing. So you are obviously on it one way or another in and actually we find this quite often with type ones, don't we? Because we're a bit neurotic about control and we're and we're we're relatively numbers driven um, because we have to be because we almost don't have a choice. But but actually that that has has quite a bearing on our entire lives because at all times we're we're thinking about this and i'm sure anyone that's listening to this is, has done exactly the same you've sat in a room and it's a busy busy room and everything's going on and you're thinking to yourself blimey what did i eat how did i eat it did i take my insulin did i what have i done today and you you almost have to replay the last couple of hours to work out why your bloods are doing what they're doing and then sometimes you come to the conclusion I can't work out what it is and that and that's that's a tough old place to be what um Daria do you mind me asking what um in your nutritional course that you're doing now what what are you doing are you doing a master's 
yes, I am doing a master's. Okay. And, and are you, is it, is it helping with your diabetes? You know, Andrew, I would say not really, because I knew quite a lot of this stuff beforehand, just because I am proactive. I'm a proactive diabetic and I like to research things. And yes, it's helped in a way, as in it gave me more clarity that balance is important rather than kind of looking for a one solution. You need to be very inclusive, both in your diet, diverse in your diet. And it gave me support to my knowledge, if that makes sense. So I actually know that this is evidence-based and I know that this is not just me looking at the internet. But the most important skill that I think this course has given me is to be able to read research. So beforehand, I opened an academic paper and I was like, oh my God, I have no idea what this means. And now I'm able to read it and find actually, is this true? Is this not true? What kind of research is this? And really assess the information properly. That's really interesting because for a lay person such as myself, even access to research is quite difficult to get hold of. And I I think this is something that in the diabetes world, we need to be much more open. We need to be much more collaborative, but not just the research um, and, and industry working together. I think they need to work really closely with us because we're the people with this and we need to understand what they're doing and, and really have an impact on what they're doing. I'm sure, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they come to lots of conclusions, but I've got to be honest in my 36 years, I've never read a research. Sorry. I, I say I've never read a research paper. I've never researched and found a research paper without having a reason to do so, or without having to try and source it from somewhere else. It's actually quite difficult. And then understanding it is another level. Yeah, I do agree with you. But at the same time, I feel we need people that understand both sides. So for example, type one diabetic dietitians or type one diabetic researchers who work in the field and can translate the information to, as you say, layman people, because you don't need to be able to read research. Like it's a hard thing to do. And it's hard to be able to tell, is this research funded by somebody who might have influenced the conclusion do did the researchers try to like make stuff up and well they don't necessarily directly make stuff up but they can sort of like for example there's a lot of research in plant-based nutrition on environment um and there are studies that use the exact same data and make up completely opposite conclusions so some say that the plant-based diets are very good for um for the environment and some say that it doesn't matter if you eat uh, plant-based or non-plant-based and it's just like how do we make the decisions and it's confusing for people like me who actually understand the research but you know it's it's complicated unfortunately and I kind of think that's why we need to hear all of the different opinions um, and be open to them as well. Yeah, I would agree. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you you mentioned about, um, about being type one and being diabetic and being in the industry, because that almost goes back to the community field, doesn't it? Because what I what I found in the community is you don't even need to, we've had conversations before and it's not about diabetes. 
And actually, it's just the fact that you know someone else that's diabetic and actually goes through the same stuff that you do. That is therapy. It's just talking. It doesn't have to be about diabetes all the time. It's just opening up and talking to someone else that goes through the same stuff that you do. And you, you knowing in the back of your mind, they're the people that are up at two in the morning dealing with this stuff that I'm up at two in the morning dealing with. And, and that is really important. So thank you very much. That was really useful. It's really good to get a recap on, on, um, on your side as well and, and your history. And I'm really looking forward to, to seeing where this, this podcast goes and the people that we interview. I think they're going to add loads of value. Same. I'm really looking forward to it. And I think it's going to be a journey. We hope this gave you a good introduction to who both myself and Andrew are, and we're super excited for this series. Um, if you would like to find Andrew on Instagram, he is at T1D underscore One Life, and Daria is at T1 Level underscore Daria. We will link ourselves in the show notes. Please do like this episode and like the podcast. Follow us so you don't miss a single episode. This is going to be an amazing season. And we really hope you join us in the next episode.